Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I am your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, January 29th, 2010. And I'm going to just quickly summarize what we have learned so far. I last week spoke about how you date God's way, dating really, if you listen to the program last week, is preparation for marriage, courtship. And as I explained last week, it should be done for that primary reason and that reason alone. And I mentioned that uh, husbands and fathers have a role, and so do the wives and the mothers. And the husband, if he has a daughter and the young man wants to marry his young daughter, uh, is his primary responsibility as the guardian to help the daughter make a wise decision in reference to marrying the young man. Additionally, I explained last week that the father it is the father's responsibility to make sure that, uh, well, let me read a scripture here in Leviticus, chapter 19. Verse 29, it is the father's responsibility to make sure that his daughter does not become this. Uh, Do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, that not the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. And I proved last week that um, when your daughter or son has sex before marriage, that has something to do with whoredom. Fornication is all types of sexual sins, including that. And I proved last week that that is something that God uh, disapproves of, uh, having sex before marriage. And in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 to 21, proves that, and also Exodus chapter 22, verses 16 to 17, that uh, premarital sex is forbidden. And if you do that, that you're practicing whoredom. And verse 29, the great wisdom of God, I'm sure that he inspired Moses to, or Moshe to write this because he knew that it was a great possibility that we would have in the end times a, a big problem with pornography and so forth. So, And usually, in most cases, uh, the most attractive thing about pornography is women, not men. So... Um, in his wisdom, he inspired Moses to say, do not prostitute thy daughter. 
although you have male prostitutes too. But in verse 29, do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, that not the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. And unfortunately, that is America today. That is uh, Britain today. That's many spots in the world today. But <laughs> America leads the world in it. And uh, Amsterdam, too, out there in northwestern Europe. Uh, they, they're pretty wicked or terrible when it comes to that as well. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. And I did talk about homeschooling and socialization, the, the fact that it's false that people think that if you homeschool, uh, a child, what is a son or a daughter, that is going to be something wrong with them. And I proved that extensively. Um, please, I ask that you review the Bible study from last week to see how I did prove it. But I, I used biblical facts, also secular, outside the Bible facts, to prove that there's nothing wrong with homeschooling uh, people or children. And I did state that teenagers, uh, they can work starting at age 14, find them a part-time job in this country. And I did state that the proper age for marriage is anywhere from 16, which would be an exceptional case. Uh, there are exceptional cases where men are mature enough and are making, or young men are mature enough and are making enough income to get married at age 16. But that's a very exceptional case. In most cases, it's, it's around 18 uh, to 24 that a man is uh, typically ready to marry someone to take on that responsibility and you young men and men uh, you shouldn't marry any woman unless you can afford to take care of yourself and a woman and a possible impossible uh, children you should prepare yourself for that and that is the primary responsibility of the father to make sure that the man is bringing in consistent income that he has completed his career enough to be able to afford himself and a, and a wife and, and children that's very important because in First Timothy, let's turn there, First Timothy chapter five, and this all leads into what this, what the title of this program today is about: how to have success God's way. First Timothy, it all begins in how you raise your children. Uh, if you raise your children properly, they'll become successes. If not, they won't. First Timothy, and then how you raise your children to choose their mates. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his household, he, which is referring to a male, has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel or unbeliever. So it's primarily the male's responsibility or the father or the husband's responsibility to provide the income in the family. Of course, the, the woman should help, but it's not her primary responsibility is to support the family. That goes on to the man. That's the man's responsibility. And as I'm going to explain today, as part of being success, a success is continuous uh, education, preparing yourself to uh, acquire new skills if necessary when you see that the current skills that you have aren't good enough to bring a sufficient income into the family. But getting back to teenagers, how to, how to mold them into becoming men and women, they should both do volunteer services like city volunteer programs and charities. They should You should get them into some sports. Uh, whenever they are doing any type of activity, should be supervised by adults that preferably um, believe in God and, and believe in the commandments, keeping the commandments. Uh, learning a trade. That's very important. A trade is something where you do a service, you do a function, you do something, 
and you get paid a livable. Now, let's underscore the word livable. See, I, I, worded, I wrote a thesis uh, to get my Bachelor of Management's degree program, and I focused on socioeconomics. Socioeconomics is the study of how people survive economically. And learning a trade is very important for a male as well as a female. A trade is something that you know when you do it and perform it, you will get paid a decent wage or salary or profit if you're in your own business doing it to be able to pay your expenses and bills. I remember when I was young, and I'm not giving any names in my family, I don't want to gossip, but they would say, well, just get a job. Just get a job. Like, that's the solution. Just get a job. Well, getting a job is not the solution, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if that job is not producing livable income. And I did hear President Obama say that in his, um, I think I have copies of what he said he was going to do uh, when he became president. I, I think he was one of the few that even mentioned that the minimum wage needs to be a livable uh, hourly rate. And it's currently right now, I think it's at $7 and something. That's still not a livable hourly rate. The um, medium income for someone in America, I think it's between 44000 and 48000 or 49000 So that's the median or average income that someone should produce per head to be able to uh, survive in this country. I think it may be... Um, average household income. But I think the thing that I want you to understand, well, let me let me look this up here and make sure that I'm giving this to you properly here because this is very important. Look at my website. I did a, let's see, because that's a very important figure there to understand. Let's see. Not on that article. Let's see. Let me go back. If I can't find it out, I'll talk about it next week or whatever, but hopefully I'll be able to find this here and quote it here. Not in that article either. Go back. Okay, well, I'm going to have to research that, but I know anyway that the point I was trying to make is that you have to produce livable income based on what the the government states the type of income we all need to generate to survive. So that's the point, and I'm going to find out what that is. I might be able to go on Google here real quick, average income of an American. Let me see. I might be able to look it up here. Okay, yeah, what is the national average American income? Let me see. 
yeah, household income is $46,000. But I'm talking about per head, which is 24000 It says the, uh, I, I just searched this on Google, it says what is the national average income? So that depends on how you define average and how you define income. Economists commonly use the median, which divides the population average to average figure. According to the U.S. Census Bureau in 2005, the median household income, that means whoever's in the house, what they're, what they're generating, is $46,000. Now, the median annual earnings for someone in the labor force age 25 or older, okay, the median annual earnings for someone in the labor force age 25 or older were, or, yeah, were 32000 may have gone up, I don't know. So $32,000. Now, the median household per capita income, the, money, the amount of money households are able to allocate to each of their members was 24000 So we're, we're talking about, we want to pinpoint for this discussion anyway, the median annual income or annual earnings for someone in the labor force, age 25 or older, 32000 So we want to look at $32,000 as being the goal as far as generating a livable income towards your trade. Now, a lot of people may say, well, that's not enough income either. Well, yes, it is if you do another important thing, which is to stay out of debt as much as possible. And I know there's cases where you cannot do it, and I'm going to talk about that today. But you should try, if you're going to be in debt, be in manageable debt where you are able to have some money left over to save and, and pay the rest of your uh, your expenses. And you just continue to make payments on, on the debt that's necessary until you eliminate it. All right, but thirty-two thousand dollars for one person should be enough if you manage your money properly to survive in this country. Okay, and leading to that, and I'm going to talk about this uh, probably some more today. Uh, I did mention last week, and I'm going to mention again that for those and most people are in this situation, uh, you are in a job that you don't like. Well, let's find out what you do like. Uh, I suggest you go to www.profiler, P as in Paul, R as in Rat, O as in Oreos, F as in Frank, I-L-E-R.com. That's P as in Paul, R as in O, P as in Paul, R as in Rat, O as in Oreos, F as in Frank, I as in It, L as in Laughter, E as in Elephant, R as in Rat.com. So www.profiler.com. Go to the link where it says Campbell Interest and Skills Survey Test. Click on that link. And just for $18, I'm giving them a plug here, um, you could find out from experts where your real, true vocational interests are. And that's very important. Once you find it out, then you get the necessary education to produce the livable income of $32,000 or more so that you can survive effectively in this country. Now, also, as far as getting education, once you do that, I recommend two institutions here if you want to save money. Uh, Penn Foster Career School has been in business for over a century. They are recognized by the United States Department of Education. They are accredited by the Distance Learning Organization. And all companies recognize their coursework. Matter of fact, a lot of companies offer tuition reimbursement for their courses. They are a reputable institution. And if you're just looking to, 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 to get a trade, where you can produce livable income, Penn Foster would be perfect uh, for working adults that you, you have kids, you have to work, 
and you can't just go to school on foot, that this would be perfect for you, Penn Foster Career School. Also, for those who are, and they also have um, uh, electronic and computer courses and so forth, but Cleveland Institute of Electronics specializes in that. They've been in business for over 75 years, and they do participate in the uh, student aid program. And they offer two associate's degrees, one in electronic uh, technology and also computer technology, both associate degrees, and, and they will eventually be offering bachelor's degrees. But the reason why I recommend Cleveland Institute of Electronics is because they really have a, a, a um, revolutionary and unique way of teaching. And their booklets are designed for you to really understand the concepts of what they're uh, teaching. So that's the reason why I highly recommend it. I did take their coursework for a while, averaged an A on it, and I had to stop because uh, of situations in my life. But I plan eventually on going back there and getting a, a bachelor's degree in computer information technology. And, and I recommend you check out their website. It's uh, www.c as in cat, i as in it, e as in elephant, dash, w as in water, c as in cat, dot edu. And, of course, uh, for those who want to go back to school the traditional way, that's fine. I recommend, though, that uh, particularly for adults, that you just go to the universities where uh, you're not staying there in a dormitory because there's a lot of wickedness and stuff that goes on uh, with the college students today. Um, I don't think I have to tell you. <laughs> and that would be the best route for most folks. And, and then also, I, I don't recommend you get any financial aid loans unless there's no other option. That's why I talked about Penn Foster and Cleveland Institute of Electronics. And Penn Foster, by the way, they offer a degree in management. That's the only degree program I think they offer right now. I think they offer another one. I can't remember. But I'm sure they'll be expanding it eventually. And in both situations, you don't even have to get a student loan. You can just make monthly payments, affordable monthly payments. So that's the reason why I presented that. And you can go to my website, too. And let me go to my website here. And I do have a section on my website. My website, by the way, is www.mercifulservantsofgod.com. And then when you go to my website, if you go all the way down to the menu, there's a huge menu bar, and you go to distance education, you click that, and you'll go to the uh, distance education, uh, the distance education and training council. They're, glo they're the global leader in distance learning edu edu uh, accreditation, rather. They're the global leader in distance learning accreditation, and through DETC or the Distance Education and Training Council, the, all these schools are accredited, and they offer online learning all over the computer, and, and also they, they mail books and courses to you so that you can do it at a distance. So, And it's really perfect for working adults, because I know a lot of working adults say, well, how am I going to go to school? I have to work. Well, this is how you do it. So I was just throwing that at you there. And... Also, I have the uh, Penn Foster website on here, the job training link, and then you click on distance education. Okay, and for those also that need debt relief, click on that. I have a, a link to attorneys that can talk to you about filing bankruptcy. Uh, also, I have a link to credit counseling, too, because I know a part of being, the reason why I'm talking about this, a part of being successful is eliminating all this debt and getting and making the type of income, $32,000 or more, and eliminating your debt so that you won't have all these financial headaches because when you have financial headaches, it makes it so, and believe me, I know, 
and my wife knows, when you're having financial headaches, it makes it so much difficult to focus on what really matters in life. So I just hope that uh, you take to heart what I'm telling you here because, you know, I, I, I've really suffered a lot, and I think I guess I'll talk about a little of what I went through but um, today, hopefully. But this is some sound advice that I'm giving you, and I hope you, you take it to heart. And I did state, getting back to marriage here, um, after I addressed the homeschooling thing, that dating is preparation for marriage, and I did state last week, young men lead their father and mother, and young women are given to a man, and given in marriage, that's the, the, the father's responsibility. Okay? And then Proverbs 13, verse 20, uh, I think I quoted that last week, I'll quote that here again. Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says, He that walks with the wise men shall be wise, but a company of fools shall be destroyed. So you want to surround yourself with people that want to learn and people that in particular want to learn God's law and, and don't believe that the law has been nailed to the cross. Uh, you, you want to associate yourself with people like that to truly be successful. And children should consult their parents in reference to preparing for marriage. I, I went over that last week. And I did state, and this is very important, an unmarried woman or man, unless it is any of your first relatives, mother, father, sister, or brother, should not be alone in a room or anywhere else unless it is an emergency situation with uh, the opposite sex. It is considered a sexual event when a man and a woman is alone. Now, of course, if a man's with a widow, I don't think anyone would assume anything's going on, so that's not, that's not an appearance of evil, but we must avoid appearances of evil. Uh, if you can't be with family, then a couple considering marriage should meet at a restaurant, park, or hotel lobby around other people. They should never have private meetings. It's God's way. Now, you should marry someone that's compatible with you and believes in keeping all the commandments of God, which includes the holy days and the Sabbath, listed in Leviticus chapter 23, and that Jesus is the Messiah. And I went over that. Now, this is what I'm going to address that my wife intelligently told me last week. I did listen to her advice, and I will adhere to it. Uh, single mother families and other situations. Because um, she had said, well, Kennard, did you address, well, what, what if uh, you have single, you have a lot of single mothers in the country? Uh, what do you do in that situation? There's no father. All right, well, I'm going to read from Tim Hegg's excellent uh, What God Has Joined Together, Biblical Foundations for Marriage starting on page 91, 92, and 93. Uh, I recommend that you do get this. It's a very good uh, very good material that Tim wrote. And I do, from time to time, rely on his wisdom, his biblical knowledge to help me understand the Bible better. Uh, his website is, I'm giving him a plug here, is www.torresource, T as in Tom, O-R-A-H-R-E-S-O-U-R-C-E.com. He is a Jew, a Messianic Jew, meaning that he believes that Yeshua is the Messiah. All right, anyway, page 91, subheading, Singles Living on Their Own. In the ancient world, a young lady would remain with her family until she was married regardless of her age. And as noted before, this provided her with the protection and guardianship she needed either by her father or other male family members. Now, in our world, uh, there are significant numbers of young adult ladies living on their own. In any Torah community... 
single ladies living on their own will inevitably be part of the congregation. What would be the procedure for these single ladies when approached by a suitor or a someone who uh, appears to be qualified to marry? It would seem wise for the single lady to seek out a married couple in the community who would act as her guardian. So that's the solution. In this case, the husband and wife together would provide the single lady the guardianship and counsel she needs in the courting process. Once such a relationship has been established, men who may approach the single lady regarding a desire for exclusive friendship should be directed to the married couple in the same way that the daughter would send a would-be suitor to her father. The courtship would then proceed as outlined above. Well, I think I already went over that last week. Of course, this is presuming that the girl's parents are either geographically distant or for some other reason unable or unwilling to act on her behalf. Now, there should be care given that the courting couple not spend unsupervised time alone. Their time together should either be at the married couple's home or in a public setting where there is clear accountability, and I went over that. What about the situation where a single lady living on her own shows interest in a single man? In this case, the man should encourage her to find a married couple in the community who would act as her guardian. Her willingness to comply would be a strong indicator of her ability to submit to authority. So that's very important. You, you want to make sure you marry women, men, that will submit to authority. And her willingness to follow the biblical pattern in which a woman is given in marriage. Where neither the single lady or man are interested in following a courtship model, it will become the duty of the elders or overseers in the community or in the um, assembly or church to approach them and explain the concepts of courtship and betrothal. Here again, the elders, overseers, should suggest to the single lady that she, and betrothal means also engagement, for those who don't know. So betrothal also means engagement. Here again, the elders overseers could suggest to the single lady that she select an appropriate married couple to act in the place of her father. Now, in our times, there are a growing number of families without resident fathers. In such cases, the mother will need to act in the place of the father and provide the covering for her daughter in courtship matters. Here again, it would be wise for the single mother to seek out the counsel and advice of a married couple in the community as she guides her daughter through a courtship to betrothal or engagement in marriage. This is because the perspective and insight of a man is an important part in the guardianship of a, of a daughter, which makes common sense. Now, what about a situation where a believing wife is married to an unbelieving husband? In other words, a husband believes the, nail, the, the law is nailed to the cross. The first task will be for the wife to convince her husband that the courtship model is good and that it will provide the best protection for their daughter. If he is willing to take the responsibility of guarding her during the courtship process, then he should be encouraged to do just that. Perhaps the realization of his duty in this matter might be used of the Lord to open his eyes to his own spiritual needs. If, on the other hand, the unbelieving husband wants no part of the courtship procedure, the wife should seek his agreement that she be allowed to function as a daughter's protection and guardian. In such a case, she would be wise to seek the counsel of a married couple within the community as she guides her daughter through courtship and engagement or betrothal. Yet, even if the Unbelieving husband does not want to fulfill his role in this matter. He should not be disregarded. The wife should regularly seek his advice and input for decisions that will be made for the daughter. In the case where a woman's husband has died and she is seeking to be remarried, even though Paul did state it would be wise to do so, but that's up to, up to the woman. As noted above, Paul states that she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. So even though she is not required to be given in this case because she was already given, uh, 
and thus does not need a guardian, it would still be wise for her to seek out the counsel of a married couple to guide her through the courtship and engagement or betrothal process. The issue of remarriage after a divorce is fraught with many difficulties, as Paul did state, yet it is something that will inevitably be faced in our time since divorce has become so prevalent or is, is uh, almost a common thing here in our society, unfortunately. It is impossible to set down guidelines that will fit each case of divorcees seeking to remarry. Each case will need to be handled with regard to his own unique issues and difficulties. Regardless, it is the better part of wisdom for a divorced woman who is seeking remarriage to find a married couple to give her counsel and to provide guardianship and accountability. In each of the above scenarios, where a married couple is sought for their guardianship and counsel, it is important that the couple act together. It is extremely unwise for a husband to act alone in providing guardianship and counsel for a single woman. To do so is usually a formula for disaster, and I totally agree with Tim's uh, exegesis, not eisegesis, but exegesis, correct interpretation of the Bible in this area. Okay, so that is the summary of what I talked about last week. Let's go on now and talk about God's way of achieving true, and let's underscore that word, or let's emphasize that word, true success. Now, let's understand what God says we should do, because, uh, to be honest with you, I'm tired of hearing what other people think success is. Uh, the first thing that comes in a normal person's mind when they think of success is Michael Jordan, even Obama, President Obama, uh, anyone that, that looks clean and fresh, cute, handsome, got a nice mansion, got everything, cars, clothes, no money problems. That is success. That's the way most people think success is in this world. But Let's look at what the Bible says success is, because that's what the focus of this program is, God's way, not man's way. So let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Now, Interesting about Joshua, his name is, is Jesus. Uh, his name is also Jesus. So he was a type of Jesus. and That's pretty interesting. That's not a Bible study in itself. But anyway, Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law, and actually Jesus' name is also correctly translated from the Hebrew, Joshua. But anyway, Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, colon. For then you shall make thy way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So we're going to hone on this here and focus on this here a little bit because it's very important because most people don't understand this. They don't understand what, what success is, and, and, and I'm going to do the best I can using God's wisdom, uh, his Bible, to explain what real success is. Because, again, as I mentioned earlier, most people think success 
is just making a lot of money and having a lot of things. That's what they think success is. But that's not what success is according to your Bible. So, let's find out what it is. Now, to understand the context of this, let's jump to verse 7. It says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, the Torah, the teachings of God, whenever you see that word law, translated in the King James or English versions of our Bible, it means Torah, which the te it means the teachings of God, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So, uh, studying the Bible, understanding the teachings of God, ladies and gentlemen, has a lot to do with whether or not you'll be successful. That's what your Bible says. So, I just want to point that out here. You're not going to be successful without that. And many people today, and we're going to go over some examples too, people, that, in particular Solomon. And he was the wisest man in the world. And God gave him physical and spiritual wisdom. And he stopped obeying God. And all that wisdom didn't do any good when you don't have God in your life. And I'm going to prove that to you today. And all his possessions. He had everything. He was the richest king ever in the history of the world. So there will never be another king like him. Other than, of course, Christ himself. But, but anyway... Now, it says here in verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Uh, and that means uh, out, out of your senses, out of your mind. But you shall meditate. That word meditate in the original Hebrew means to study, to, to have the desire to want to talk about it day and night. That doesn't mean 24 hours a day. It, it means day and then in the night. And it means you should always look for opportunities, just like people today always look for opportunities to look at American Idol. They look for opportunities to look at MTV. They look for opportunities to play the Wii. They look for opportunities to um, do a lot of things, to, to go out to look, go, go to movies. Uh, they look for opportunities for other type of entertainment. What God wants you to do is look for opportunities also to study his word first, and then all that stuff that I talked about a second. And anyway, that thou mayest observe, and that word observe means to guard, to do according to all that is written. And he means all, for those that apply, the certain commandments that you can't keep because some are for the priests, some are for women, some are for men. But anyway, for, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. That word prosperous in the original Hebrew uh, means uh, profitable, profitable. And then you shall have good success. Now, this word success, let's find out what this means because, like I said, success does not mean biblically what people think it means in the world or outside of the Bible or secular understanding. How much time do I have left here? Uh, 54 minutes. Okay. Let's take a look at what success means Hebraically. The Hebrew word for success is 
Suckall, S-A-W-K-A-L, Suckall, Suckall, Suckall. And it means to act with intelligence, insight, and to be prudent. Again, the original Hebrew word for success is Suckall, and it means to act with intelligence, insight, and to be prudent. Prudent means to be cautious, sensible, and sane. Like the opposite of sane is insane. So <laughs> it means to be prudent, to be cautious, sensible, and sane. So by studying God's Torah, you will become and remain intelligent, sane, and prudent. Now I'm sure most of us uh, want to be sane, not insane, right? Well, if you don't want to become insane, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be studying this Bible on a consistent basis because if you don't, I guarantee you, you will become insane. You won't, will not start thinking straight, and you will make decisions that will hurt you and other people for the rest of your life. So anyway, Psalm 4, verse 23. Psalm 4, verse 23. I don't know if that's Psalm 4, verse 23, or Psalm 4, verse 3. Oh, man, I hate when I do this. I think it's Proverbs. If it's not that, then I'm going to have to, let's see, Proverbs 4, verse 23. I think that's what it is. Yeah, there we go. Proverbs 4. Let me make the notation there. It's Proverbs 4, verse 23. Sorry about that. It happens. Okay, so Proverbs 4, verse 23. Let's turn there. It says, Keep thy heart, and in this context, it's got to be talking about your mind, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And let me quote this in a better translation here. The basic Bible English version says, and keep watch over your heart or your mind with all care so you will have life. The contemporary English version says, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. I think that's a, a, a very accurate translation there. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Ladies and gentlemen. So you, you have to do that, and that falls in line with what Joshua 1 verse 8 is talking about. True success is simply thinking straight and having the proper wisdom to get things done. As President Obama, I like the way he says that, we just need to get things done. Well, that, that's, that's what success is, getting things done and having the wisdom to get things done. All right, so 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter three. And we're going to look at the wisest man ever in the history of the world except Jesus himself. King Solomon. First Kings chapter three, starting in verse five, says 
in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. So this is one of the cases where God is acting like a genie here. <laughs> in verse 5, he says, Ask what I shall give thee. In verse 6, And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and righteousness again is Psalm 119, verse 172, all of God's commandments. So David walked in the commandments, and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, and thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. So Solomon was humble. He had a humble attitude to say that he's just a little child. And here he is, king of Israel. I know not how to go out or come in. Verse 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And he said, verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? So he had asked God, for wisdom to be able to judge and make right decisions. Verse 10. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. He was so pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. And that's the only thing that he did ask for. That's the incredible thing about it because as you'll see here, most most men and women would, would not just ask they wouldn't probably wouldn't even ask for wisdom. They would ask for for things, money and and wealth and all that. Okay, that people think is success. But anyway, in verse eleven, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the the life of thy enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Let me look at that in another version here. Yeah, in the complete Jewish Bible version, it says in 1 Kings 3, verse 11, God said to him, Because you have made this request instead of asking long life or riches for yourself or your enemy's death, but rather ask for yourself understanding to discern justice. I'm going to read this in complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 12, I am doing what you requested. I am giving you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you, nor would there ever again be anyone like you. Okay, and of course he's talking about sinful humans because we know Christ was way above Solomon. He said that himself, verse 12. I am doing what you requested. I am giving you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you, nor will there ever again be anyone like you. So this is the reason why I'm using Solomon for this Bible study, because he's definitely a good example here. Verse 13, in, in terms of being a, a success or learning how to use your brain properly. Verse 13, I am also giving what you didn't ask for, riches and honor, greater than, than that of any other king throughout your life. Verse 14, more than that, if you will live according to my ways, obeying my laws and mitzvah, which means commandment in Hebrew, like your father David, I will give you a long life. So, 
let's continue on with the story here real quickly in terms of uh, being successful or using your brain properly. 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 29. So God gave Shlomo, or Solomon, exceptional wisdom and understanding, as well as a heart as vast as the sandy beach by the sea. So God gave him not only spiritual wisdom, but physical wisdom. Verse 30, and Solomon's, or Shlomo's, wisdom surpassed the wisdom of the people from the east. And all the wisdom of Egypt, he gave Solomon so much wisdom in his brain that the wisdom of the people from the east and all the wisdom of Egypt could not compare to it. Verse 31, For he was wiser than everyone, wiser than Etan the Azaki and, and uh, Ezra, I guess, and wiser than Heman, Kalko, and Darta, the sons of Mako, so that his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. Verse 32 of 1 Kings chapter 4, He composed 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. Verse 33. He could discuss trees from the cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop growing out of the wall. He could discuss wild animals, poultry, reptiles, and fish. Verse 34. People from all nations came to hear the wisdom of Shlomo or Solomon, including kings from all over the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So God is the originator of biblical, spiritual wisdom as well as physical. And he gave Solomon both. He gave them both. And I just wanted to emphasize that, that God will give this to you if you just ask him. If you just ask him. And I'm telling you right now, God has given me wisdom in my life. He never has hesitated to give me wisdom when I have asked him for wisdom. That, I can say, has always been, been, been consistent. When I ask him for wisdom, he gives it to me. And he'll give it to anyone. It doesn't make a difference who you are. I'm going to prove that to you today. You don't have to be like Solomon to get wisdom. If you just humbly ask him, he will give you not only spiritual wisdom, but he will give you physical wisdom so that you can be successful which means, biblically, intelligent and having insight and being prudent. Okay? That's what success is, to be sane, to use your brain properly. Okay, so that you can help others. 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 1. But this this is what happened to Solomon, unfortunately. This you know he he let women get in the way, and this can affect spiritual wisdom as well as physical. It'll affect any wisdom that you're trying to acquire if you let women, the wrong type of women, get in your way. First uh, Kings chapter eleven verse one. King Shlomo or Solomon loved many foreign women besides the daughter of Pharaoh. Now, it wasn't anything wrong with him liking foreign women if the foreign women would, would obey the Torah. But unfortunately, they did not want to obey the Torah. So that's what made it wrong. 
All right, and stated here there were women from Morve and Amman, Edomai, Sidani, and Hitti. I'm, I'm still reading the complete Jewish Bible version. Verse 2. Nations about which Adonai, the Lord, has said to the people of Israel, you are not to go among them or they among you because they will turn. And this is the reason why. Not because of the color of their skin, but because they will turn your hearts away toward their gods. But Shlomo was deeply attached, deeply attached to them by his love. Verse 3. He had 700 wives, all princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. It made him lose his mind. Basically, that's what it's saying, basically. If you look this up, yeah, it bent his mind, overthrew his mind, entity, yep. That's what it means in original Hebrew, turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, and I'm reading this in the King James Version here, verse 4, for it came to pass when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David's father. See, biblically, you're insane when you don't obey God consistently. You're not being sane. You're not thinking straight. You, you don't have intelligence and insight like you should. That's success again. That's what it means to be successful, to act with intelligence, insight, and to be prudent. Again, prudent means to be cautious, sensible, and sane. By Solomon going after foreign women, he lost the ability to be intelligent, to have insight, and to be sane. He became insane. He became insane. He wasn't thinking practically. Verse 4. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, this emphasizes again, his wives turned away his mind after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as with the heart of David his father. See, the difference between David and Solomon is that David, when he, he made that big boo-boo, or he um, sinned with Bathsheba, he repented after God's one of God's prophets, Nathan, talked some sense to him. So he was being successful, King Nathan, I'm not King Nathan, the prophet Nathan, going to King David and telling him sensibly, in a successful way, that you are sinning. Anyway, 1 Kings 11, verse 5, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did his father. And did, did Solomon build in a high place for Chemos, the abomination of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Verse 11, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, and this is in the King James Version, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded 
thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servants. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Verse 13, Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. All right, so because of Solomon's rebellion, he allowed demonic influence to to uh, cause him to do all this, to start worshiping the devil, basically, because when you turn from God, you start worshiping the devil. And that's what he was doing. And this caused the separation of the kingdom of Israel into two tribes. Yeah, and this caused... Uh, the separation, and you have the, the king, you have the tribe of Judah, and you have the tribe of Israel. And that's, that's talked about later on as you read the first Kings. And that's not a Bible study in itself. Anyway, what I'm trying to talk about today is, is the fact that of what wisdom is, it's a combination of biblical, physical, and spiritual knowledge. And this wisdom will complete you as a human being and help you to become the best human being you can be and also assist you in helping other people. That's why we acquire wisdom, to, to be able to help our fellow human beings and to properly worship God as the king of all. Okay, so I have 36 minutes, plenty of time here. Now, let's look at what Solomon stated here about having everything. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. And this is, by the way, Ecclesiastes is a real good book, ladies and gentlemen, to read about that or to understand that you can have everything and still not be successful, still not think straight, still not have the insight and intelligence to be prudent because that's what success is biblically. Okay, um... I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 1. I said to myself, come now, and this is Solomon here, because everyone knows that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. It's kind of like his uh, book of realizing that, and I'm going to prove to you too, that you just need to obey God and everything else will take care of itself. You know. But anyway, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come now. I will test myself with pleasure and enjoying good things, but this too was pointless. Verse 2, of laughter, and this is a complete Jewish Bible version, of laughter I said, this is stupid, and of pleasure, what's the use of it? Verse 3, I searched my mind for how to gratify my body with wine and with my mind still guiding me with wisdom how to pursue foolishness. My object was to find out what was the best thing for people to do during the short time they have under heaven to live. Verse 4, I worked on a grand scale. I built myself palaces, planted myself vineyards, made myself gardens and parks, and then I planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the trees spring up in the forest. I brought male and female slaves, and I had my home-born slaves as well. I also had growing herds of cattle and flocks of sheep, more than anyone before me in Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Verse 8, I amassed silver and gold, the wealth of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers, things that provide sensual delight and a good many concubines. 
And let's look up that in particular. Um, he had all these things. And it's just amazing that uh, through all this, he states that that he that he was uh, not successful as he should have been. That's the amazing thing about it. So anyway, getting back to complete Jewish Bible version, verse eight. So, getting back to, uh, here, let me read this in the complete Jews, but I lost my place here, sorry. So, I had massed silver and gold and the wealth of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers, things. He acquired uh, things that provide sensual delight and a good many concubines. I wanted to find out what concubines is. I think, I think it's talking about women that produce babies for him. Yeah, a woman who is not legally a wife but lives with a man and sometimes has a recognized position in his household. So that's, or it could mean mistress. It could mean that as well. All right, so anyway, so I grew great surpassing all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom, too, stayed with me. Verse 10, I denied my eyes nothing they wanted. So whatever he saw, he wanted to get. He had a lust problem. I withheld no pleasure for myself. <laughs> That's not being wise. But anyway, for I took pleasure in all my work, and this was my reward for all my work. Verse 11, then I looked at all that my hands had accomplished and at the work I had toiled at, and I saw that it was all meaningless, all meaningless and feeding on the wind, and that there was nothing to be gained under So in verse 12, he says, So I decided to look more carefully at wisdom, stupidity, and foolishness. For what can the man who succeeds the king do except what has already been done? So, of course, he said in verse 13, I saw that wisdom is more useful than foolishness, just as light is more useful than darkness. He says, The wise man has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, yet the same fate awaits them all. Anyway, it's just, if you just read this book, you'll see that the main thing that you need to do is obey God. And that's the point that of this whole book of Ecclesiastes. You can have it all, but if you don't put God first in your life, it's not like it's like not having anything. If you don't put God first in your life, it's like not having anything. So anyway, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 12 to 14. About 30 minutes left, making good time here. Um, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 11 to 12. It says, The sayings of the wise are as sharp as the gold, and those given by leaders of assemblies like well-fixed nails. They are presented by a single shepherd. In addition, my son, take heed. One can write many books. There's no end to it. And one can study so much that it wearies the flesh. So let's, you have to do everything in moderation, including studying. Verse 13, here is the final conclusion, though. Now that you have heard everything, fear God and keep his mitzvah or commandments. 
this is what being human is all about. That's what human is being. Uh, this is what being human is all about, ladies and gentlemen. If you want one scripture to prove to you what human is being, what what being human is all about, Ecclesiastes twelve verse thirteen, Ecclesiastes twelve verse thirteen reveals this to you. Let me drink some water here. My voice is getting a little dry. Okay. Ecclesiastes uh, 12, verse 13. Here is the final conclusion. Now that you have heard everything, fear God and keep his mitzvah or commandments. This is what being human is all about. Verse 14. For God will bring to judgment everything we do, including every secret, whether good or bad. So that that is amazing, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, And then let's read this uh, in a basic Bible English version, it says, this is the last word, all has been said, have fear of God and keep his laws, because this is right for every man, the contemporary English, the contemporary English version of the Bible says, everything you will talk can be put into a few words, respect and obey God, this is what life is all about. The New American Standard Bible states, Verse 13, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. And then the English Standard Version of the Bible states, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man. And the Jewish Bible version says, The end of the matter, all having been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, semicolon, for this is the whole man. It's the whole man and the whole woman, is to, is to keep the commandments. That's what life is about. That's how you have success. That's how you are able to be intelligent with insight and prudent. And again, to be prudent means simply to be cautious, sensible, and sane. That's what success is. It's not having a lot of money, <laughs> as Solomon proves. It's not about having a lot of money, having a lot of this, and having a lot of that. That is the truth. So help me, God. Okay, so. Since we do understand that, let's turn to Second Timothy chapter 3. Because Timothy understood, Paul understood, that studying the Bible makes you successful. First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 3, or 2 Timothy rather, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. And I'm going to read this in a complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake again. And I'm going to start in verse 15. It says, And recalling too how, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, And recalling too how from childhood, and that word childhood means from a babe, from an infant, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which can give you the wisdom that leads to deliverance through trusting or having faith in Yeshua the Messiah or Jesus the Christ. Verse 16. 
all Scripture is God-breathed, and I'm reading in the Complete Jewish Bible Version again, all Scripture is God-breathed and is valuable for teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting faults, and training in right living. Thus, anyone who belongs to God may be fully equipped for every good work. And that is success, ladies and gentlemen, to be equipped for every good work. That is the purpose of your existence, so that you can do a good work, not only for yourself, but for everyone, including God. Now, let's turn to Psalm 119, verse 98. Read this in the King James Version. Actually, I'll, I'll read verse 97, because that's an interesting scripture. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So David thought about God's Torah or teachings all day. Verse 98. That through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me now. You know, the devil is our enemy, too. So God is saying that through the commandments, and only through the commandments, we can be wiser than the devil. Potentially, that's what he's saying here. Uh, let me quickly go through these other scriptures here. i got 24 minutes left. Luke 12, verse 15 to 21. Luke 12, verses 15 to 21. This is a parable of the rich fool, one of my favorites. <laughs> and, and he says here, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And that's what people think success is. Success is not that. Verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, or life, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what people think success is, right? But anyway, this is what God says success is, or what he should have been doing. Verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, colon, continue the thought, then who shall those things be which you have provided? As Solomon said, hey, when I die, somebody else gets it. Verse 21, so is, so is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You have to be rich toward God to be successful, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. Proverbs chapter 24, starting in verse 3 to 7. Starting in verses 3 to 7. It says, By wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is made secure. And by knowledge its rooms are filled with all kinds of costly and pleasant possessions. A wise man is strong, yes. A man of knowledge grows in strength. For with clever strategy you wage your war, 
and victory comes from having many advisors. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. It's too high. He keeps his mouth shut at the city gate. So right here you have God telling us that having wisdom, physical wisdom, is very important. It's a part of making you a success, being able to have intelligence and insight and being able to think soundly and sensibly and saying so that you can produce good works. And part of, of course, producing good works is having costly and pleasant possessions. There's nothing wrong with that if you do it wisely. Okay. Proverbs 4, verses 6 to 9. Time I got left. 21 minutes. Proverbs 4, verses 6 and 9. I read this in the King James Version. It says, Forsake her not. Well, actually, in verse 5, let's start there. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. That word wisdom in the original Hebrew means skillful. So get skills, get knowledge, get wisdom. Not just biblical wisdom, but physical wisdom. It is the principal thing, your Bible says. It's, the, it's in first place. It's in order of rank. It's the chiefest and most important thing for you to do is to get wisdom. And it says, with all thy getting, get understanding. So when you get wisdom, understand the wisdom. So that, that's what it's saying uh, about wisdom there. It's very important to acquire wisdom. You should let really nothing get in, get in the way of that. And it says, exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou embrace her. She shall give to thy head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she shall deliver thee which is a prophecy because uh, for those who not only are wise physically but spiritually, uh, the reward is that uh, you will become a king priest and, and serve, be a priest of God and a priest of Christ. That's, that is uh, in the book of Revelation. So anyway, and then of course you'll be able to live forever. You'll be changed into an immortal being as uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 reveals. If you just read that, that's... Really, that's a summation of the whole plan of God, that, that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So anyway, getting back to that, and then Proverbs 16, verse 16, in the complete Jewish Bible version, it says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather than to, to be ch chosen than silver? So it says in the complete Jewish Bible version, or actually it's the King James Version here, let me... Go to the uh, complete Jewish Bible version. How much better than gold or money is it to gain wisdom? Let me emphasize and underscore that again. How much better than gold it is to gain wisdom? So God is telling you it's more important to get biblical wisdom and physical wisdom than it is to get money. Yes, rather than money, yeah, well, <laughs> yes, rather than money, choose to gain understanding. Again, let me emphasize this. How much better than gold it is to gain wisdom? Yes, rather than money, choose to gain understanding. That is very important, ladies and gentlemen. And God tells you it is more important than money. More important than money. And that word understanding means knowledge, meaning. Meaning perfectly, understanding, wisdom. It's more important than money. 
Okay. Proverbs 17, verse 16. Proverbs 17, verse 16. And the complete Jewish Bible version. says, Why would a fool wish to pay for wisdom when he has no desire to learn? Okay, and this indicates, of course, that there's nothing wrong with paying for wisdom. So I just wanted to quote that scripture. And Proverbs 1, verse 7, in the complete Jewish Bible version, says, The fear of Adonai, the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So your Bible, not me, will call me or anyone else fools if we don't desire the kind of wisdom that Solomon desired. He had the right attitude at first, but unfortunately he made some serious errors, uh, breaking the law. You can have all the physical wisdom. Uh, you, you can be the world's renowned expert in physics or in computers, but if you commit adultery, if you do other things, then God... God's laws in place will cause you to fail in life. So it's very important to obey God's commandments while you're acquiring physical wisdom. They both work together. You can't have biblical knowledge and not have physical wisdom. And you can't have physical wisdom and not have physical uh, You can't have just physical knowledge and, and no biblical knowledge or wisdom. It has to be a balance. They both work together for you to be the complete whole person. The Bible shows you physical, I mean, not physical, but spiritual wisdom. To get the physical wisdom, you have to use the Bible as a guide so that you can get the right type of physical wisdom. And the Bible indicates, and also Jewish, old Jewish writings, that you should get a trade. Get a trade. That's what it means when it says get wisdom. Get, get the knowledge that you need to get a trade so you can be a benefit to yourself and to humanity. All right. Proverbs 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. It says, The fear of Adonai is hatred of evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil ways and, and wrong speech. So he, he hates that, and it's something that, uh, let me read this in the King James Version. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, colon, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way. And the forward mouth do I hate. He, he hates that stuff. And then he says here, it says, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all the judges of the earth. And he's talking about, of course, uh, wisdom again. And then, yes, if, if you obey God properly, he won't hold back the riches either. But that's not something you should totally focus on here, as Proverbs 30 reveals. Let me quote this scripture again so that you don't understand. He says in Proverbs 30, verse 8, Remove far from me vanity and lies, and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. That not I be full and deny and say, Who is the Lord 
or that not I be poor, and steal and take the name of my God. So there should be an equilibrium there. Most people, when they get money, they lose their minds. Look what happened to the Solomon. Most people can't handle it. But God would give you riches if you could handle it, if you wouldn't go, go against him and break his law. He wouldn't have a problem giving you riches. But most people aren't blessed with riches when they're trying to obey God because he knows that if he does bless you with that, you will fall away from him. So he's very careful about not giving you what you can't handle. That's just the way it is, and he knows what's best. And I know many people, they preach his gospel prosperity, but in most cases, people are, there's not a lot of rich, true believers in the world. And the reason why, primarily, is because the riches will cause you to act like Solomon eventually in most cases. Now, you do have some exceptional cases in the Bible, but, but you know, Christ, he came poor. And, and then, of course, Yochanan, uh, or John the Baptist, was poor as well. And a true believer, what I mean by poor, he didn't have a lot of great possessions. He didn't have it all. He, he didn't have it like Solomon. And that's what I mean by poor, not having a lot of great possessions. You just have what you need. I'm not talking about dirt poor like the people in Haiti right now. But he didn't, he didn't have great possessions. He wasn't considered one of the richest people in the world. But he wasn't rich, and the Bible plainly reveals that. But anyway, how many more minutes do I have left here? I have 12 minutes. Okay, Proverbs chapter 3. Let me hurry up here. Proverbs chapter 3. starting in verse 13. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 in the complete Jewish Bible version. It says, happy the person who finds wisdom. So you'll be happy when you're, you have the proper biblical knowledge and physical knowledge. Happy the person who finds wisdom, the person who acquires understanding, for her profit exceeds that of silver. Gaining her is better than gold. She is more precious than pearls. Nothing you want can compare with her. That's what your Bible says, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So it's so important to get wisdom and knowledge, both biblical and physical knowledge, so that you can be a help to yourself and to humanity. And it says in verse 16 in the complete Jewish Bible version, Long life is in her right hand, riches and honor in her left. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. See, is a tree of life to those who grasp her. Now, we know what the tree of life is, right? It was in the Garden of Eden. Whoever holds fast to her will be made happy. Adonai, O the Lord, by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the deep burst out and the dew condenses from the sky. So to let you know, he's not just talking about spiritual wisdom. He's also talking about physical wisdom, the knowledge to do things. Knowledge to, to help you, help yourself and other people. Psalm 19 Verses 9 and 11. In the complete Jewish Bible version, it says, what, what is the scripture again? I may have misquoted this again. Psalm 19, verses 9 to 11, right. Psalm 19, verses 9 to 11, says, The fear of Adonai is clean, enduring forever. The rulings of Adonai are true. They are righteous altogether, more desirable than gold, 
than much fine gold. So he's saying not just gold, but more than fine gold. Also sweeter than honey or drippings from the honeycomb. So that's what your Bible says about biblical wisdom, the wisdom of God. Psalm, oh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Ten minutes. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 19 to 34. The complete Jewish Bible version again. It says, Do not store up for yourselves wealth here on earth. And how many people focus too much on that, ladies and gentlemen? There's nothing wrong with having emergency savings and all that. But people, especially with the stock market game, Dow Jones Industrial, they store up for themselves wealth on the earth. So anyway, but Yeshua, Jesus tells you not to do that. In verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, Do not store up for yourselves wealth here on earth where moths and rust destroy and burglars break in and steal. Instead, store for yourselves wealth in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and burglars do not break in or steal. For where your wealth is, that's where your mind will be at also. <laughs> that's what it says. you know. So, so we, we have to work on that, ladies and gentlemen. Most people have to work on that particular area there to improve. And it says here that the, the eye is a lamp of the body. So if you have a good eye, that is, if you are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if you have an evil eye, if you're stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can be slayed to two masters, for he would either hate the first and love the second or scorn the second and be loyal to the first. You can't be a slave to both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds flying around. They neither plant nor harvest, nor do they gather food into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? And why be anxious about clothing? Think about the fields of wild irises and how they grow. They neither work nor spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Shlomo or Solomon in all his glory, and we just got to talking about Solomon, right? was clothed as beautifully as one of these. Verse 30, If this is how God clothes grass in the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown in the oven, won't he much more clothe you? What little trust you have. Verse 31, So don't be anxious asking, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or how will we be clothed? Verse 32, For it is the pagans, the people that don't have God in their lives, who set their hearts on these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them all. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness. And how do you do that? By getting spiritual wisdom and physical wisdom to be a complete person. And all these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough problems already. That's what he says. Seven minutes left. The number of completion. So, to be successful, and what is successful, what is being successful it means to act with intelligence, insight, and to be prudent. And prudent means to be cautious, sensible, and sane. So to be successful, you must seek knowledge and do your best and, and never give up. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. states this, Ask, and it shall be given unto you, Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeks, findeth. 
and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, he will give him a serpent? Verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So he will do that, ladies and gentlemen. He will give you good things if you ask. And if what you're asking is proper, he'll give it to you. Uh, James. James chapter 1, starting in verse 5. says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. So he'll give it to anyone and make a difference who you are. And a braid of not, and it shall be given unto him. That's a promise. Prove him. Ask him. Ask him for wisdom. Luke chapter 11. But this is what you have to do too. You have to be persistent. Luke chapter 11. When you ask God for anything. Luke chapter 11. Am I quoting this right? Okay. So Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. He says, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three wolves. Uh, not three wolves. <laughs> Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his inopportunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. All right, so what he's telling you here is to be persistent when you ask God for anything. You have to be persistent and believe you're going to get it, and that's an example there. I'm going to read that in a better uh, translation here, hopefully. Um, let's see. In verse 8, and it's in the New American Standard Bible Version, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And so that's, and that's in that context in verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For, every, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So you have to be persistent in anything, whether you're getting education biblically, spiritually, trying to find a job, trying to be successful, uh, thinking straight, intelligible insight toward anything that you're trying to do. You have to be persistent with it. That is a very, very important part of being success, ladies and gentlemen. You have to be persistent. You have to be persistent. So I just wanted to point that out to you. And then Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So what you need to do to be successful is study the Bible every day. Psalm chapter 1. I wanted to read some other scriptures, but because of lack of time, I can't. 
Uh, Psalm chapter 1, please study that. In Colossians chapter 3, it tells you to seek the things above, not below the earth. Focus your mind on the heavenly things. Um, get an education that will produce livable income and continue to update your skills and add new ones when necessary. Uh, take the Campbell Interest and Skills Survey Test. I gave you that information. Um, investigate Penn Foster Career School. Investigate Cleveland Institute of Electronics. I gave you all those URLs earlier in the, in the broadcast. Uh, consider getting a financial aid loan. That should be your last option if you have to do that. But you should always try to eliminate your debt, and if you do have debt, it should be manageable. So those are the things that uh, you need to do, ladies and gentlemen, to we all need to do to be successful. And again, what is success? It means to act with intelligence, insight, and to be prudent. And prudent means to be cautious, sensible, and sane. Well, that is the Bible study for today. May God be with you and bless and keep you, and I will speak to all of you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 